Welcome to episode 103 of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike, sitting here with my boys. We're ready to talk some wrestling. So, Canada is rejoicing, not because the NHL is back on TV. No, it's because AEW touched down in Toronto and put on a hell of a dynamite tonight. We're going to get to that, but we're actually going to start off with a little extreme rules talk, WWE, something that we don't do a whole lot here on Keep the Kayfabe. So we're going to cover uh, some talking points there. But before we do, let's introduce you to the fellas we're sitting down with this evening over in Glendale, a man who keeps it regal, my guy, Steve Groschmidt. What up, Grabby? Behold the king, the king of kings. He's <laughs> <laughs> <Please>, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good Lemmy impression right there. Very nice. That was solid. And I don't even. And I've never even smoked cigarettes, so that, that was that took some effort to get that voice. Or uh, were you drinking Jack and Coke at least tonight? Because oh, I heard I that's all like, that dude drank. Had, is that? Yeah, I had like ten of them already. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. That's a nice little warm up for this evening's chat. So good to see you there, Steve. And over in Bayview, my guy who keeps it freshly squeezed, the new champ, Mr. <laughs> Matt Michelson. How are you, Matt? I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> nice sound effect. Yeah. that if People that are listening with the earbuds in, that probably just zipped right through their brain. And their yeah, lights went out. Uh-huh. Love it. Yeah, man. So Charlie's going to be joining us a little bit later. Uh, he's just uh, wrapping up his underwear modeling gig, so he should be here soon, putting his clothes back on. He's busy. And with those uh, oh yeah. Well, I mean, Christmas is coming, <laughs> so he's got a lot of shoots. That it is. All right. Well, speaking of, mm, I was going to say coming or shoots. But let's just go right uh, to some extreme rules talk. Um, yeah, so we don't talk a ton about WWE because there just hasn't really been a lot of positive things to talk about. We don't just want to just dump on it all the time. It's fun, but why beat a dead horse, right? But Matt Michelson has raised some very interesting points about what's happening at the main roster level in WWE recently. Uh, Extreme Rules just happened this last weekend. I did not get a chance to catch it because I've been extremely busy, but my boy Matt did, and Steve may have too. So they're going to run down some cool stuff that just happened on this pay-per-view. So, folks, loin, uh, listen up and join us for this week's talk of WWE. Matt, what is happening on the main <laughs> roster? Oh, my God. I this is, this is strange. I feel like I'm transported to another lifetime ago. So... Uh, several months ago, when Vince McMahon stepped away from WWE, I think we all agreed that we were going to give it time just to see how Triple H, you know, eased into the position and if the show changed at all and what it felt like. Well, 
it's been a few months since that happened and uh i took it upon myself to dip my toes back into the wwe universe and see what it was like now so there's a few things that are really hot right now in that promotion number one and this is probably no shock to anyone who loves wrestling enough to listen to a podcast about it but bray wyatt returned this past saturday at extreme rules um there was a lot of speculation around whether he'd return as the fiend or as his past self or some new character um basically with some combination of both so for those of our listeners who haven't seen it i highly recommend go watch the last 10 minutes of extreme rules just as the show's about to go off the air lights go out um they start panning around the crowd and there's all these characters from the firefly funhouse uh as real human-sized people standing around uh, at different points in the arena so it was really interesting how wwe sort of played with this uh they had to have come out during the last match and just kind of planted themselves ahead of this segment but camera pans around we see huskus the pig we see the fiend at one point um looking a little different than bray wyatt though well then the lights go out it cuts back to the top of the ramp a door gets kicked open and a guy in a mask steps through it rips the mask off turns out it's bray wyatt holding the lantern leans into the camera and says i'm here blows out the lantern and that's the end of the show so cool no no like brawling no fighting no you know even teeing up his next opponent nothing like that which i think is smart because a character like this is so supernatural that you just can't picture him going yeah you know i want to conquer the world and steal your soul and be the champion like that it makes no sense right so we'll have to wait and see how this goes in the world of wwe um so far they've been pretty good about it though so that was really cool segment um Another thing that has been going on, for those of our listeners, if you haven't been watching, if you have, you're going to be like, yeah, duh. The Bloodline, phenomenal faction. It's been Roman Reigns and the Usos for the longest time. Recently, we saw uh, Solo Sikoa from NXT join that group as sort of their enforcer. And we also saw the uh, oddball out of the bunch, Sami Zayn, join the Bloodline as an honorary Us, as they all call him. Um <laughs> They've got a great gimmick going with him. Right now, I want to say it's Jimmy Uso and Sami Zayn are like best buds and constantly laughing and joking. Jay Uso is not buying it. He thinks Sami Zayn's up to something, which I'm sure he's right, but it just makes for great comic TV. Meanwhile, you have Roman Reigns kind of watching them all not get along, sort of like the dad of the group trying to keep everyone in line. Um, it's just really well done. It, it's so interesting. All these characters have really good characters behind them and they just gel really well for being as different as they are so the bloodline has come a long way they were getting a little stale really worth watching now so between the bloodline bray wyatt all these other like storylines that are brewing in wwe right now we're seeing a lot of former nxt folks come back like johnny gargano recently re-debuted candice larray's back on tv Io Shirai, bailey all these great wrestlers and up on the main roster and they're sort of portraying their themselves more than anything. It's clearly not as heavily scripted. Um, and that's one of the things Triple H bragged about doing was, yeah, they're still going to do scripted promos, but he wants to get input from the wrestlers on what should the script say. So what we're hearing the wrestlers say is more like what they would actually say, and it's totally translating on TV. So if you haven't watched WWE in a while, check it out. Um, I'm going to keep watching it, I think, at least for on and off for a little bit until they prove themselves. But so far, it seems like it's worth investing in again. So 
yeah, exciting times. Don't forget Dexter Loomis is back. Oh God, yeah, that's so. I talk a lot of good things about WWE just now. There's still some trash out there, and some of it's laughable, some of it's just trash. Uh, I think Dexter Loomis is one of those. I don't know which one, but yeah, definitely <laughs> not one of the best segments I've seen. But you know, you're not all hundred percent of them are going to be, you know, perfect. I think what I would like to see if I was watching and maybe this is just because, you know, I've gotten away from WWE is Bray Wyatt's done it all right. I mean, like they've reinvented his character multiple times, start, stop. Granted, all of that was under the Vince era. I there's a part of me that because, you know, everybody's happy to see him like you might as well make him a baby face. There's a part of me that would like to see them just like completely like have him acknowledge the supernatural past, but just be a dude now. Like even The Undertaker kind of went like dude mm-hmm. for a while where he wasn't the downplay. Like, I think they could pull that off and he would have some longevity as a baby face if he like kind of nodded to the past and all those things he did and that. But he just played a like a non-supernatural weird dude i don't know i have uh that could be interesting to me i don't think they'll do that i think they'll kind of pick up where they left off but yeah it'd be a change of pace i think triple h is a smart guy um i think he's got a better bead on the pulse of what people want and with some creativity involved that people won't see coming and honestly bray wyatt is a great litmus test uh character to see where the status and creativity direction is going with WWE. So if they can mm-hmm. if they can handle Bray properly, I think they're headed in the the right direction because it, it's tough because they really they really fucked with Bray. I mean when he was with the uh the what was this group called? The uh Wyatt family. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> anyway, so so tough. So tough to remember. But anyway, uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean that was cool. It was different. It was it was really cool. It kind of went right along with uh, what was happening on TV with HBO Max with True Detective. It was like that show was so hot, and it was all about like in the swamp in the South with all this mysticism. But then yeah, it totally. just went way off the rails. Is he a clown? Then they got all these gimmick matches. And the Alexa the Bliss rails. thing to me just yes. like even my dad, who never criticizes wrestling that much, was like mm-hmm. so tired of that storyline. <laughs> and like right. but yeah, maybe I mean not that it worked out this like I'm sure they didn't want it to work out this way, but maybe him getting fired, there being a length of time, and now the new regime brings him back was probably yeah. the best thing for the character because it just needed a big giant pause and people to miss him. It's a it's a big challenge, but the yeah, you're right Steve, people do miss him so they do have a leg up there. They want to see it, but they have to nail it. They can't fuck it up. So, we'll see if they fumble or if they run it across the goal line with Bray Wyatt. So, thanks Matt for that WWE roundup and wrap up of Extreme Rules. Um, I might even give it a go too. Maybe I'll, 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 you know, turn on some raw, maybe a SmackDown here or there, but, uh, yeah, keep us posted, my friend. Thank you for sure. But Toronto hosted the first ever AEW, um, show ever on Canadian soil tonight. And there's a bunch of great Canadian wrestlers in the, um, promotion as it is with Christian Cage, Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega when he's not causing ruckus, um, Ethan Page, 
lots of other people. But uh, they did sign another great Canadian, Renee Paquette, wife of John Moxley. She is now all elite. She's going to be doing some backstage interviews, it looks like. She introduced the show. She got a great standing ovation. This was a great ac- acquisition, don't you think, boys? Yeah, absolutely. It's We've criticized AEW, I think, a little bit, and rightfully so, about hiring way too many wrestlers. And I think in the early days it made sense, but they just kind of kept doing it. And now we're seeing this problem where you won't see a wrestler on TV for weeks at a time. And by the time they are on, you totally forgot what their storyline was, or maybe didn't forget, but the storyline had definitely cooled off. So I think one area that AEW probably could use the most help is in their backstage interviewing. And that's perfect for Renee Paquette. I mean, that's what she's done in WWE. She's clearly a successful podcaster now. Um, You know, she's obviously married to John Moxley for those of our listeners who maybe didn't know that, but yeah, so everything just made perfect sense to bring her in as the sort of backstage voice. And she's also one of those backstage personalities where you don't get the classic. She asks a really obvious question and tees it up for an interruption or just for the wrestler to talk. She engages in conversation with them. It makes it a little bit different than every other backstage interviewer we've seen. So really happy for her, really happy to see her in AEW. I totally agree. I was always a huge fan of her. When I first got the WWE Network, she was still doing a lot for NXT, even announcing. And I thought she just brought a legitimacy. Like, she's just, she's insightful. Like, I, like yeah, I think she can do anything for them. I mean, they're kind of top heavy right now on, on announcers with Taz and all that. So I don't know that how much time she did that. And I also think they probably need to rethink their backstage now because they got like, Alex Perez wasn't very good. They got a couple other people. Like if they're gonna use her, maybe she's gonna sprinkle in the, you know, on the ramp and the ring stuff with it. But yeah, there's a lot they could do with her. And I just this just popped in my head right now. They should figure out a way to do their own version of talking smack with uh her and Daniel Brian Danielson like they did back in WWE because that was a great show and that's where Miz had his big moment and all that. Like mm-hmm. they gotta do some some content like that they got all the players now yeah totally agree um another thing that came to mind and for those of our listeners if you haven't watched dynamite yet um this this won't be spoiling anything but there was a segment where alex marvez was interviewing mjf and alex marvez asked mjf a question it seriously took about 30 seconds for him to frame the question and actually get to the question and you could tell that mjf was visibly getting pissed just listening to him Thankfully, and I, I say this, like, I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but thankfully Stokely Hathaway interrupted because even <laughs> I at home felt so uncomfortable watching Alex Marvez try and form this question. Um, so hopefully with Renee Paquette now in the picture, we start to see a little bit more tight, clean backstage interviews. But yeah, only time will tell. I'm going to take something that I think if Charlie was here, he'd bring up because I totally agree with it. Like, I knew the name Alex Marvez but I didn't remember from where when he started on AEW. And I just remember like, God, this guy is so wooden and terrible in AEW. And to your point today, three years later, he still is. And then one day I was in the car. I think it was a Sunday morning. I went somewhere and I put on a serious radio and there was this fantasy football show on. It was Alex Marvez because I saw it because my radio said with Alex Marvez. And he was so interested. Like, I'm like, 
why can't this guy show up on AEW? Like he was cracking jokes. He was just talking like a normal dude. Like, I don't know what makes him like so wooden in AEW that he just turns to shit, but it's like, it's almost a lost cause. It's like, it's nice. You know, I think they brought him in because he's a real sports pundit, but it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you got Rene Poquette. You could probably cut him loose now. Right. Remember when uh, the WWE brought in that announcer from the American Gladiators? Yeah, Mike Adamley. Yeah, and, and he it just out, said, "Yeah, it, it was just a disaster." And he just kept repeating lines like "Kofi Kingston, Jamaican me crazy," like five times in one match or something like that, and it was if, not good. It, I could be wrong, but I don't think anybody realized at the time. But I think he had like some like like not dementia, but there was something going on with him that actually was why he was that way, and nobody realized it at the time. Hmm. Oh well, fuck me. Sorry. No, 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 no. I think no. It's fine. I'm not. I'm not saying that to like make you feel bad. But I think it was you like sensitive bastard. <laughs> he was diagnosed with dementia. Yeah. Like so. It's like, uh, but but it was still is like you know if they would have known that or if they would have they should have never put him on TV because he was like it was like awkward as shit. All right. So is he still alive or no? I, um. He is. He's actually okay. seventy three. But, well, uh, shout out Mike Addingley. This is a tribute to you, my friend. That hope you're listening and doing well out there. <laughs> I feel like I, I accidentally made you feel bad there, but I wasn't intending to. <laughs> Not at all. I learned something new today, and I'll be more <laughs> sensitive. I just kind of wanted to say Kofi Kingston, Jamaican me crazy. Anyway, it's an all-time great line. Yes, big time. Thanks for listening, Kofi. But um, yeah, Renee, she's a natural. Uh, she's like we brought up. She's just has this natural dialogue to her it's a great asset way to debut her in canada to get the people's going uh especially with a maple leaf game on tonight against the dreaded montreal canadians it was so funny too christian cage played that how the maple leaves can't get out of the first round just great heel work with christian god that was so good that made me pop hard anyway um well, we talked about how Renee was married to one of the wrestlers, John Moxley, in AEW. Well, he's going up against Adam Hangman Page this coming week in his hometown of Cincinnati. It's a huge, huge match. And um, I can't help but wonder, is this really the time that MGF is going to cash this in? All arrows point to yes in my book. They keep hinting at it. He's up in the stands. He's got his popcorn. He's laying back. I mean, he's white hot. We know... Uh, Moxley wants to take a break. Wouldn't this be the perfect time for MJF to cash in this chip and spoil Adam Hangman Page's awesome promo that he had tonight, thinking that he's not going to let this opportunity slip through his fingers? And it would be just perfect for somebody as slimy as MJF to slither his way and steal the championship. It would be, yes. Um, And I think AEW would be foolish to repeat a pattern that Steve described a few minutes ago and not quite have him cash in yet, but maybe next week or the week after that, or at least tease it. I don't think fans need the tease at this point. Like we saw it during AEW Dynamite recorded earlier tonight. We saw John Moxley and Hangman Page squaring off in the middle of the ring. And like you described, Mike, MJF's up in the skybox eating popcorn, watching all this go down. And the crowd is chanting for MJF, and he's not even in the ring. Like these, you've got these two world-class competitors standing in the ring talking about the match they are for sure going to have next week. And the fans could care less. All they want is right. MJF. And I think 
like I said before, AEW would be really foolish if they didn't pull the trigger on it sooner than later. I agree. Truly. I think they can't go wrong because you think about it. Think about the scenarios. John Moxley wins in his home city. MJF craps on the party. Perfect. Hangman delivers those impassioned speeches and about how he's got nothing and he's like, blah, 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 blah. And if he gets his moment, he could crash that. <laughs> MJF could ruin that too. I see, like, I feel like there's like two realistic scenarios. Like, I don't think Hangman's going to win and then hold on to the title. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think if, if anybody, if MJF doesn't walk out of there with the title, it's because Moxley retained or something. But, um, because now that I'm talking out loud about that, it'd be I don't know that Hangman would get much of a good reaction beating Moxley in his home city either. So I don't know that that would be. Although, if, actually, okay, let's talk through this. You just talked about how MGF, the big slimy heel, is getting cheered. He beats Moxley in his hometown, mega booze. Hangman beats Moxley in Moxley's hometown. And then MJF beats him, mega cheers. So they like yes. they can kind of decide what direction they want to go with this, which is it's kind of brilliant. Yeah, it's almost like they can have their cake and eat it too. If if yes. Moxley wins, the fans get the big hometown victory, and then you get to boo MJF sort of for getting the title, yeah. but not really. It he's doing a great job of walking that line of being a babyface, but still pissing you off in some way where you're like, uh, and he still maintains his character. I think that's the beauty of this run with MJF right now. And mm-hmm. Steve, to your point, yeah, they could go either way with that and it would totally work. So either way, like either scenario you described involves MJF walking out as the champion. But again, that's assuming they pull the trigger on it, which, you know, either scenario we just mapped out requires that. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. All right, so what scenario do you think is going to happen on Wednesday then? I mean, the one that I would love to see happen is Moxley wins and we see MJF cash in and take the title off of him. The thing that I feel deep down, though, is going to happen just because of patterns AEW's fallen into recently is... I think we might actually see maybe Hangman win and no cash in. As ridiculous as that sounds, I, I just I can't help but feel like it's the worst possible option is the one they're going to go with. And I don't know why. I think maybe because during the next week it puts MJF in a position to take it off of Hangman and then get a huge pop. But I don't know, honestly. Like maybe I'm talking myself into it too much and I should have faith in AEW to do the right thing and you know, have Moxley win it and then immediately have MJF take it off of him. Is there any yeah. well, Steve, why don't you go ahead? And, honestly, uh... yeah, it's like what do I want to happen and what do I think gonna happen, which is kinda what Matt did. Uh I want Moxley to retain and then MJF to take it off of him and right in front of the and bask in the glory of Cincinnati, you know, shitting on their home boys parade. I want that to happen, but I not quite. I mean, I guess the variation on what Matt said, I think what I think is going to happen is that Moxley is going to win the retain the title and then MJF will tease, but they won't actually do it. They'll save it for like, Maybe not the pay-per-view. That's Well, that's not that far off. It's like, what, a month? Yeah, mm-hmm. something like that. But uh, I feel like that's 
Yeah, because I've just, yeah, AEW, not always, but nine, it feels like 75% of the time drags things out. <laughs> and I think I'm just going to, if I were a betting man, I think MJF will not walk out the champ next week. Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, we'll have to check the clock and see how much time they give these guys to tell the story. Well, that story, is always cause... a sign, too, when the match is and when it ends. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, if they have 40 minutes, I think that's a good time, you know, to put on a great story with uh, the match itself with Mox and Hanger, Hangman Page, or Hanger. With Hangman Page. Um, But I don't know. Like, what if MJF does cash it in and Mox actually beats MJF? And there's no way that that MJF loses when he cashes it in. Is that even a remote possibility in your minds? I I hadn't even considered it until you said it. It's like, yeah, it's absolutely a possibility. I mean, we've seen it happen in WWE with the Money in the Bank briefcase. Not much, but it does happen. I I feel like AEW is starting to get a little too hooked on swerves lately for the mm-hmm. sake of swerving the crowd. And yeah, to your point, I could see Moxley retaining to get the hometown pop. And then we see MJF cash in, which I, I think the crowd is almost expecting at that point. But then seeing Mox, or Moxley retain against MJF in that sort of situation... Yeah, I could definitely see it. And then that leads to maybe MJF saying, oh, I wasn't ready or some other heel line, which then leads us to a rematch at full gear in a month. So Mm. I would love to see Moxley retain MJF cash in and take it off of him. Punk return in a couple weeks as a wrestler. And I know there's still a lot of talk about that. And he's also injured, I think. So we don't even know. He's out for like nine months. Yeah. Yeah. It, realistically, the best possible scenario is he comes back. We see the third match between MJF and Punk for the title at full gear. It's the blow-off match between the two of them. I mean, quite frankly, that's the best story AEW's told this year. And it would rocket them back to being on a whole nother level if they brought that story back in that form. But like we just said, I don't think Punk's in condition to wrestle. So, yeah, that's another question is who's next at full gear? I don't know. Maybe this is how it goes. Moxley drops the belt to Hanger. MJF cashes in. Looks like MJF's going to take it over Hanger. Mox ruins it for MJF. Getting the hometown pop. To be okay with Mox not having it. Put it on the younger guy who, you know, could use it. Who's doing good work. And MJF can still be the heel and we can still cheer and boo him. But Adam Hangman Page is definitely not going to get the big cheers. But that would be the way to get him the big cheers if they did decide how to put the title on him if that's what they wanted to do. Does that sound even possible? It's possible, yeah. I mean, it's very possible that we're really overthinking this. (laughs) And AEW goes with the obvious decision. And I think this is one situation where the obvious decision is by far the best one because all these other scenarios we've talked about, I I can't picture it's going to leave a bad taste in fans mouths and I don't see where they go after that. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that they go with the scenario that I think we all hope they do. By the way, for those of our listeners, if you haven't been paying attention uh, next week's episode of dynamite, 
where this match is going to air is actually on a Tuesday, not a Wednesday. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to catch it, make sure you watch on Tuesday night. Good call. Adjust your DVRs. All right. So we spent a lot of time dissecting that matchup. Uh, but there was another big highlight that happened this evening, one that we might not have wanted to see. We talked last week uh, about how uh, the Acclaimed is just so hot right now. The scissoring gimmick is absolutely on fire. I mean, there's no signs of it stopping, we were saying. There's no way. Well, the guy that we all hate and who I quite frankly hate seeing come on tv and most of us here on the pod hate seeing on tv smart mark sterling has actually hijacked scissor me uh and copyright it and will receive royalties anytime it's used on tv or any merch so a guy that we all hate that we're like this guy does not belong there's nothing that fits actually comes out and does something that's kind of fitting and I actually laughed and started nodding my head and was like, this is good. Damn it. Am I supposed to like this guy now? Am I supposed to think he's entertaining? I don't want to, but open your heart, Mike. I'm opening my heart. Are you guys too? Uh, I'm somewhere in between. It's like every time he shows up on my TV, I'm like, why are they still going with this guy? He's like right? a less interesting version of Lambert who was flawed. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and then, I, I mean, even worse is like Tony Nice might be, you know, chiseled out of granite and be a solid wrestler, but he's on a, he's like one of the most boring wrestlers on national television. And so is that definitely. Josh Woods dude. So it's like, there's just anytime I see him or his ilk, I'm like, ugh. but then this like, yeah, now we, now it's like, well, what are they going to do with this? Like, you know, they can't do the scissoring, which is the most over thing in wrestling right now. They were doing mm-hmm. it at freaking raw because of the DX reunion. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then AEW just posted on Instagram like like a screenshot of an actual patent that it has Mar- Smart Mark Sterling's name on it. <laughs> like, so I mean, they're going all in with this. And so, I think the verdict's out. But I'm like, okay, yeah, I think I'm with you that like this could be a little more interesting than maybe I would have expected. Yeah, right. I agree with I agree with Steve. I think I prior to starting the podcast, we were talking about this segment a little bit and. You know, and I think we've talked about this in past episodes, but Smart Mark Sterling, every time I see him come on TV, I just want to turn it off. It's not heel heat. It's just it's just bad television, unfortunately. But for some reason, when it's with the acclaimed and it's part of this scissoring gimmick, it works. And I don't know if it's because the scissoring gimmick is so ridiculous in its own right and just happens to be done in a way where you can't help but laugh and it's over. I think inserting Mark Sterling into this was a scary move. I thought Um, until he mentioned that he stole, like you said, Steve, the trademark or patent, whatever you want to call it for scissor me and every variation of it. So yeah, I'm interested to see where this goes a little bit more now, just because he's taken something away that the fans truly love, Um, which I think that's the difference with the storyline. It's not like he's making up some story about a contract that nobody gives a crap about it's he took away the one thing that the acclaimed has going for them and fans want it back. So yeah, he's got himself in the perfect position to be a heel. Now, what do they do next with this? I don't know. I think it's probably going to lead to a match with Mark Sterling and Tony Nice, which I could have sworn we already saw, which is just irritates me. But yeah, if this is what those guys have to go through to get scissor me back, fine. 
I'll put up with it for a week. I, <laughs> as I say all this, stupid story. And I think they kind no. of put themselves no, in spot with this. Well, think about it. I mean, these guys are the tag team champions. Yes, I love the silliness. I love the gimmick. But at the same time, give them some legit competition because we got to keep elevating them. Otherwise, it's going to get old. And uh, yeah. Now, granted, okay. AEW doesn't have a lot of fun stuff on TV. They're very serious and all about the wrestling most of the time. So this is one segment where I'll give it a pass. But yeah, I- I'm still going to hold my breath until we see where this goes. Well, and yeah, I think maybe like you can tolerate one or two of these things at the very beginning of their title run because, you know, they're going to have a longer title run, I would hope. So I think I even sarcastically said a week or two ago, like, oh, they're probably going to serve up uh, Tony Nice and uh, Josh Matt, yeah. Josh Woods, whatever the hell his name is to you them. It. So it's like that's that's what they're probably what they're doing. And you, everybody knows they're going to beat those guys because even though they're racking up some wins now, they're just like jobbers to the stars you know what's so beautiful about this though it's it makes you feel like a kid again this this little thing this whole storyline that they're just emerging this evening it's so cartoony it's like a plot line in a half hour cartoon you have like these like imagine this just an animation like a cool cartoon the the acclaimed young hip counterculture everything that you know you want to be like stick it to the man that you got a guy with a horrible five o'clock shadow beard in a suit interrupting the fun and squashing the fun trademarking the fun taking it away it's it, it makes you feel like a kid again because really everybody in the crowd is is just immature adults with the scissoring gimmick and between the hours of seven and nine o'clock on wednesday it's all acceptable other than that, it's not. It's not. You'd be like, what? Unless you're talking to somebody who is down with AEW, nobody would be like, are you fucking kidding me? So, I mean, it's just such like a cool like little inside thing that wrestling fans around the world are sharing right now. And I just love this because, yeah, it you can only do this in its infancy of their title run right now. And I think it's perfect. I love it. I like a little something light where you just sit back and you don't try to overanalyze and examine it like we just did with this uh, match before because it's like there's like the the heavyweight title means something. Yeah, well, these tag teams mean something too, but it doesn't mean you can't have like a little lighthearted fun too, right? I just thought of something. I just, by the way, like related note that our fans might be interested in. Um, are you guys familiar with The Athletic that uh... – premium like you got to pay for it but it's a it's a sports news outlet um i think it's owned by I've heard of times it. now but it's, re- it's really good it's like i'd heard about it for years and then finally i got like a, a free subscription for a little while and now i wind up paying for it because the content's great really good articles about you know every sport but anyway legit news service there was an article yesterday because na- yesterday was national coming out day or maybe hmm. i'm getting my days mixed up maybe that was two days ago but whatever day it day. was Whatever day it was, um, they had uh, an article about Anthony Bowens and the acclaimed in the athletic, and it was a really good article. And then it was funny too because there was a bunch of f- people 
posting in the comments like scissor me and all that and then there was a couple stodgy assholes that were like why are they talking about wrestling this is a legitimate news service blah blah blah. (laughs) and then other people just like dude lighten up and like ripping on them but it was it was funny but uh that just shows you a little bit about the acclaims appeal right now like they they picked up on a major like kind of sports outlet talking about them oh yeah baby the, the the eruption this evening in Canada was huge. I mean, yeah. again, I'll re I'll I'll say it again. When you have grown adults doing arts and crafts at home, making cardboard scissors, wrapping them in tin foil, and painting the handles pink, and spending their time something. doing that, <laughs> you got something. On. Like you got something, and you got to get it going. So yeah, I love what I kind of really love what they're doing with Smart Mark Sterling. I hate him too. Uh, but this just kind of it's it's on brand with how annoying he is. But they're putting with something that I love. So again, it's opening up my heart a little bit. Okay, so final thing that we're going to talk about is the big main event that happened this evening is between Pac and Orange Cassidy for the Mid Atlantic Championship. Uh, this championship belt was really cool. I think it like revealed itself maybe about eight months ago, something like that. Um, Pac was the first champion, so now uh, this match was like the first major title defense in Toronto. Ha- is Orange Cassidy Canadian? Is he American? No, he's American. This was actually one of the first, if not the first, times an American went for the title. Yeah, awesome. But he, well, he's from wherever, so I guess it doesn't. Oh, oh yeah, that's a good point. It's so, funny they, sh- they showed an American flag behind him on the on this graphic today. They should have they should have shown a question mark or something. Mm. That would have been correct. Or a shrugging emoji. Yeah, like I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. Forever. Okay. So so we had this match. Well, we know both these guys can go. Honestly, I think Orange Cassidy is probably the most underrated, underappreciated wrestler with no belt, and I'm so happy he got the opportunity to give it a shot at it, at some gold. Um, very well deserving. This match had it all. You know what Pac can do. You know what Orange can do when he ha- what goes up against a wrestler like Pac. We saw it in first person here in Milwaukee when he went up against Will Ospreay. I thought Orange, like, was right there with Osprey, the, like how he can go. Absolutely. And he was injured for a little while, and he comes back. He's looking great. Um, how much time did they give him? Probably about half hour, 20 minutes, I want to say. I'd say yeah, just under 20 minutes, I think. But, yeah, thereabouts, yeah. I was going to say, not even. I checked the clock when they were coming out for their entrances. They only had about 13 minutes till the end of the show when the bell finally rang. It was like 8.47 when the sh- when the uh, match actually started. So right. all that action was crammed into not much time, but it felt long just because there were so many parts to the match. Um, I'll give my quick thoughts on this one, by the way, too. So I'm a huge fan of Orange Cassidy. I'm freshly squeezed, as our longtime listeners are aware. So I was really excited to see this. I think Pac is a phenomenal Mid-Atlantic champion. The guy's amazing wrestler. Oh, excuse me, All-Atlantic champion. I got that name wrong there, I think. I but said Mid-Atlantic. I must have. I, I think I botched it up from the start. We're, but... we're, make, we're making our own titles here. That's fine. Um, so these guys put on a phenomenal match. Uh, we haven't seen a match like this at this level, I think on dynamite in quite a while. 
And it's really cool to see it for this somewhat new title because it, it takes me back to like the early days of AEW when you would see these incredibly athletic, innovative matches where you did not know what the next thing that was going to happen was. And I felt that way this entire match. Like there was a shot, it was during the commercial break, but we saw Pac drag Orange Cassidy all the way up the ramp and jumping tombstone him on the ramp during the commercial break. Like... That's insane to think, right? Mm-hmm. And we used to see that kind of stuff all the time. But I kind of feel like Dynamite's toned it down a little bit lately. And maybe part of it's because these guys are starting to realize, hey, if I want to do this for a long time, I got to be careful. I got to take care of myself. And totally right. understandable. But it is nice to see a banger like this every once in a while. So I was really happy with this match. I thought it was a phenomenal main event. It left me at the end of Dynamite feeling really good about the show I just watched. And, you know, Steve kind of mentioned this before we started recording tonight, but there was a couple spots on the show that I didn't really care for. So um, those left somewhat of a bad taste in my mouth, but this match more than made up for it. Um, Yeah, I was just really happy with it all around. I would just like to further point out my genius. Um, I have a (laughs) timestamp text to friend of the show, Gary, today, where at 8.47, I said to him, Pac has two titles. Wouldn't be the worst time to give Orange the title. That um, didn't cross my mind. Yeah, yeah. I really had a feeling, and then, um, but then I've wavered on it. Like, just there's so much going on there with the hammer at the end, where it's like he had a second hammer, and then it was still laying in the ring, and I'm like, how is this gonna play in? But then Orange just like legit, like knocked him down three times or whatever it was and beat him. So no, it's great. I mean, orange has been over like Rover from day one, even though he's never won a title. Um, he's had this big feuds with like Jericho, you name it. Mm-hmm. And this feud has been kind of fun because it's like Pox, this is like legit badass that everybody respects, but he had to cheat to beat him it was like, that's how desperate he became. And then he tried to do it again. It didn't work and he lost the title. And it's just, yeah, it's so much good about this. Orange deserves it. It's uh, it was a great moment and uh, yeah, super happy. And honestly, that title to me is like, I remember when we had a conversation about it and I think we were kind of split or even maybe less than split on like, why are they introducing this title? We all want a trios title. What the hell's the point of this title? Right. And I think it's been an all, I mean, thanks to Pac, it's, it's a, that title. Sorry, Mike is like, to me, 10 times more interesting right now than the um, uh, TNT title. Like the TNT title is like, Oh, no apologies. Ward, Ward I Lowe's, don't Ward disagree. Wardlow is like, in t- he's like in a tag team now. He's not even defending it. So it's like, oh, no. like the all, the all Atlantics, everything the TNT should be, but got ruined ever since Cody. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the intercontinental championship. Yeah. Just different name. It's not mid Atlantic. It is all Atlantic, right? All Atlantic. All right. The whole so... Atlantic, not part of it. <laughs> nice. Well, we got a great champ in Orange Cassidy. I'm so happy for him. He rightfully deserves it. He's pretty much an OG. He came in about a year after or a year before. I think he before. started. A, I think he, he was a original. He yeah. was at the second All Out. He was at All Out. There was All In, and then he was the last guy to debut with LAX. Uh, when they debuted. So, yeah, he helped start the company. So it's finally his time to have some gold. So super stoked for him. I'm happy there's uh, some gold in the best friend stable now. It's getting good, folks. So we're going to keep our eyes on that. 
And, uh, yeah, can't wait for next week to see how all these matches shape up. But before we head out, um, we're going to have to get to promo of the week. So let's get to the mailbag here. Let's see who we got. Well, this is an interesting one here. This comes to us from Miami, Florida, from Johnny Too Bad. He doesn't say anything. I'm not really sure why his name is Johnny Too Bad, but... It's too bad he didn't tell us. Oh, that is too bad. there it is. Ha <laughs> ha, fuck me. God, I just get more tonight. <laughs> oh, I need more sleep. More on his what? Louise. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> All right. So, see, so Johnny, Johnny Smartass, uh, submitted... Captain Lou Albano turns Japanese. So this is, I mean, it looks from the late 70s, early 80s, so it's definitely controversial. Uh, Vince is involved in it, too. So, um, yeah, let's just send it over to Captain Lou Albano as he turns Japanese. We'll be at the side of Mr. Saito and Mr. Fuji in Asbury Park. It's more or less my adopted hometown. Mr. Albano. I've got many, many fans there. Go right ahead. Well, we'll take your word for that. But aside, aside from whether or not you have fans in Asbury Park, you are most unusual in many, many ways. Yes, I am. And one of them is the fact that from time to time you do choose to enter the squared circle. But when you do choose, as of late at least, it seems to me that you more or less kind of hide behind your men, that you don't really, you don't ever start the match off. That It's not that I hide, it's just that I'm smart. I'm like a snake, baby. I move in groove. I can get behind Mr. Saito. I can get behind Mr. Fuji, and I can be the guiding light. I can film. I can watch. I can look for weaknesses. I can turn Mr. Saito into a maniac killer and say, Mr. Saito, in one second, baby. You know what that means? Speaking of turning, Mr. Albano, it seems to me that as of late, it seems that you're almost literally turning Japanese as of late. Well, I have fluent. I am a fluent speaker of the Japanese language. I've spent many, many years in Tokyo, and I, am, I have been adopted by Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saito, realizing that the Japanese race is the superior race. They are brilliant people. They've adopted the captain, and I've, I've fluently learned to read and write and speak Japanese. Would you like to hear a few words? Yes. Hayataya unsakaita! Captain's ready, baby. I mean, I'm moving, grooving, I'm ready, I'm looking for this match. I'm in the best condition of my life. Look at Well, there it is. They just don't make them like that anymore, do they, boys? Yeah, it's nope. probably for the best. Yeah, I was just about to say, yeah, I mean, just based on the introduction alone, I was like, oh boy. But yeah, it's amazing how wrestling's changed over the years, but it's also amazing how much it hasn't changed over the years in some regards. True, very true. Did Lou Albano have like piercings on his face that would dangle things? He had rubber like... bands that he had dangling. Oh, how did, how did he get those to stay on his face like that? glue <laughs> i don't know a, he was a I was very just looking strange at a picture guy. of him while we were talking and yeah, he was strange but i think he had like some sort of like maybe like like a la- i don't know like the stuff like probably with the same type of stuff they use to put masks on people for like costume for movies and stuff maybe he had like some adhesive that he is a strange dude but you know he had some success he was 
part of the rock and wrestling connection. He was he was Super Mario on the TV show, if you guys remember <laughs> that. Oh yeah. Nice. That was a fun little piece of information. Were you a fan of his, Steve? Luel Bano. He was well, kind of I mean, a little bit before my time. Yeah, yeah, you know, he was in the like he was in the wheelhouse of like my early years of WWF for like 80s, early 90s. So um I don't remember. I, you know, he's one of those guys he's like hard not to like. I wouldn't say that I was like the biggest fan, but I certainly appreciated and have a lot of good memories of him from that era. I love learning little factoids about people like that. Like you mentioned he was Super Mario. Love Super Mario, never knew who Lou Albano was. So, I guess I'm indirectly a fan. <laughs> there you go. Who would you compare him to today, would you say, as far as, like, his influence back then? Like, you know, like, is he, like, a mid guy? Was he a top guy? Did he gain a lot of respect? Or was he laughable? Did anybody take him seriously? You know, he was respected because he was an old long-timer. I mean, his character was corny, but I think he was well-respected in the business. I mean, obviously, they entrusted him to be part of that whole Cindy Lauper rock and wrestling thing in the 80s that got them some mainstream attention with Piper and all that. Um, so, I mean, they obviously like gave him the ball on some stuff. I think he was, I think he managed Bam Bam Bigelow for a while, like kind of in his prime early days. And so, yeah, he was a legit manager. And I think, you know, like the, in the eighties, you know, the era I'm talking about, he was like the fun loving guy, but I think he was kind of a, he was a, he had a good heel run too, uh, before that. So he, he did a lot in the wrestling. Interesting. Cool. All right, Johnny, too bad. Well, thank you so much for, uh, submitting that and if you want to hear your promo uh, played on one of our episodes just DM them to us over at keep the kayfabe 414 at gmail.com that's our email otherwise DM us at Instagram keep the kayfabe and on Facebook so yeah boys this was another great show I love chatting about it I mean we just talked a bit, a bit, little bit about Lou Albano he might have been ahead of his time maybe he kept a uh, little three pieces of advice he knew something that uh we all didn't know oh yeah but then, what would that be i don't know i think uh i think he had i mean he wasn't a very good looking guy he wasn't very athletic but he had something i think he stayed humble stayed hungry and he stayed hard triple h baby Woo!